right, we are back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. And on today's episode, we're going to dive back into real estate. It's one of my favorite topics, mainly because one of the best ways to become wealthy is through real estate. Um, But also, to me, there's a lot more control and there's more opportunities in the game of real estate than most other areas. Joining me on today's uh, conversation is Kierna. Um, welcome to Black Equity Podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me, DJ. You're very welcome. For those who don't know who you are, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Sure. So my name is Kierna Mason. I like to call myself a by night real estate investor because real estate investing is not my main um, gig. By education, I'm an engineer, and I'm currently in the federal consulting space. So that is the main thing that I do. But I started investing in real estate about five years ago now. And I most recently have launched a business called Keystone Real Estate Investment, where we provide coaching service for people who are interested in getting started in real estate investing. We do a lot of focus on coming up with the strategy portion Um, and helping lay your foundation on your investing journey. Because as you mentioned, there's so many ways to be profitable and build wealth in real estate, Um, almost too many ways. And so I have found just over my time, having a good strategy and guidance to get you to that first property um, is really helpful. So we really try to emphasize helping people get starting on their strategy. But um, real estate investing is something I love. Eventually, it could potentially, you know, completely take over my lifestyle. But as of right now, I say I'm a consultant, investor, investor by night. Awesome. This is going to be a really great conversation. So you mentioned uh, in your introduction that there are many different ways and maybe potentially too many ways. Is that one of the reasons why you decided to curate this information and put it all in one place for those who are kind of running around with their head chopped off, trying to figure out, well, where am I supposed to go in this world of investing? Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. That is why I did it. And I'll, I'll admit, I was on Instagram when I started investing in real estate, but definitely not as active as I am now. So I didn't even get exposure to as many real estate investors, especially other Black real estate investors. So now I feel like there's so many places where you can see real estate investing and it's a lot more real for people. You can watch HDTV and you see people flipping houses. You can get on your Instagram and you see all these people talking about wholesaling, doing all these different things. And I think now more than ever, because we have so much information about real estate investing, we have so many more people in the community getting into it, which is um, that it can almost be a fire hose of information. And that's, that's actually what I've been told that I want to do real estate investing, but should I do this option or this one? And then how can I make money in each of those? Should I do more than one? And over the years, me getting those questions really motivated me to say, let's sit down and come up with your personal game plan. Because um, it depends on your interest, your financial situa- situation, et cetera. So yes, you're right. That Because there's so much information, I feel like having a focus is really important when you get started. Awesome. So many people are going to listen to this episode are going to probably take a lot of really great notes from what they can learn today. 
But for your journey, what was your first introduction to real estate? Was it a success? Was there a failure? What did you learn on your first introduction to the real estate game? Yeah. Well, I'll start by saying more than likely when you get started, experience some type of failure. It doesn't mean that you lose a whole lot of money, um, but you, you will look back and say, I could have done that better, but that's just a part of it. So, so I'll start by saying I definitely had failure. So I actually, before graduating from my undergrad institution, had no plans of real estate and did not know at all what real estate investing was. Um, I did not grow up with a real estate investing background. And originally what motivated me to get started is that I wanted to have place to vacation with my family. And instead, I just was getting tired of paying Airbnb money to go vacation. I said, what if we had our own home on the beach or in the mountains and the family went there. Um, and then when we're not using it, we have other people pay us, you know? So the whole idea of Airbnb and seeing that these are just regular people's homes that we're staying and vacationing in really me to start thinking about it. And so when I started to research into that, that's how I learned, well, that's real estate investing. You buy a property, you own it, but you're renting it out um, or one type of real estate investing. And so when I got started into that, I did not know exactly if I wanted to stay in vacation spaces, if I wanted to be a typical landlord and you know have someone rent out for me for a year. Um, but I did some research and found that I really like the buying a home and having a family rented out or a person rented out and making the home that I own their personal space. So when I determined that was the method that I wanted to do, I searched for homes um, in the town that I was living in, in Tennessee, that's my home state. And it was a while before I actually got something. And you, you talk about starting out, did I see any failures? I, it was hard to get in, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, building my network you know, I'm this young investor. I was like 24 at the time. I didn't have any properties and I'm in spaces with people who own six, you know, six properties, you know, six figure assets. And so I'm trying to find my way into it. And so it took some time to build my network. So that was the first challenge. It was just networking and getting in the right spaces. But I recognize that if I don't really have any properties to my name, I'm definitely gonna have to bring something. And what I had was the, the hustle, is that I was just determined to get in the space any way that I can. I was going to real estate meetings multiple times a week. I would drive over an hour to go to other real estate meetings and just advertise myself. And after doing that for several months, I finally was in a position to know how to find my first property. And that first property I got at a really great deal um, and if you want me to go into the details of that at a later time, I'm more than happy to. I got it at a really good price at a really great location, but it took several months of me continuously searching and just staying consistent before I found that first property. Um, so when I got it, it was great. I made some mistakes as far as my spending and doing the renovations and managing the fixing up portion of it, but I got through it. <laughs> but my second mistake came in me just not knowing how to work with contractors, right? So it was a fixer upper. I didn't know how to work with contractors, but I knew that, okay, I needed a hardwood floor put down, but I don't know how much that costs or where materials are, or who should I get to contract that workout to? So that was my second um, kind of hurdle was overcoming that. 
all in all, you know, right now I still have it. It's a cash flowing property. I appreciate those difficulties because that is honestly what motivated me to start Keystone Real Estate Investment because I said, I don't want the next person to have to stumble the same way. If there was a way I could package everything I learned in a nice booklet and give it to someone, I would rather them do that so they can start their journey much sooner than I did. I love that. You know, you mentioned uh, earlier that um, one of the, the things you noticed first was you didn't really have a network and you had to find the right spaces. So let's kind of walk through that. Cause I think that's important no matter what you're doing is, you know, how are you building this network out? Who do you know? Who knows you? Who's going to reach out to you? All these great things. So you mentioned about finding right spaces or the right, the right spaces to be in. How did you know you were in the right space once you were there? What does the right space look like? Right. Well, I, I will admit, I started to figure that out through podcasts. And that was my introduction to podcasts. I was not really a podcast listener. But I, I can't remember what triggered it. Maybe I was searching on Google and a podcast was um, recommended. But I found a podcast that talked all about real estate. And they kept pushing this idea of joining a real estate investing networking group. They were like, every city, every town has a real estate networking group. It's a group of investors who get together and just talk all things real estate. And that idea was so crazy to me because I was like, where are these real estate investors? They have to be high up in companies, these CEOs, people with a lot of money. Like they're not just everyday people is what I thought. Mm -hmm. And I did some research. Um, I used an app called Meetup and I just typed in real estate investing group. <laughs> like I didn't even try to do anything fancy. I just typed in real estate investing group in my local area and behold, there was a group that met on a monthly basis of real estate investors. And I saw the pictures of, and they literally just look like people I store. These are just people who are investing in real estate. So as far as how did I know I was in the right networking space, it was, was kind of obvious because I went to a specific real estate investing group. And from there, I met people and learned so much more. I think that once I got into that group and I didn't go and really contribute much for a while, I just went and listened. Um, I just learned so much about investing from there. And so once I got into that space and they were talking things that everything started to make sense to me when I was listening to the things they were talking about in the investing world, that's how I knew this is the space where I feel like I can get the most information and grow because you know everyone is contributing to this idea of investing and it's really helping expand my knowledge. I like that idea of entering a space and then sitting back and listening and kind of observing before trying to just jump in and think you know everything or sometimes I know they say no questions of a dumb question but I, I do feel like you should read the room yes. before you ask the question just me personally because uh, I noticed like some people come into the room and a lot of these are virtual spaces they come into the room and they literally start asking questions literally five seconds in and they haven't even allowed the space to breathe so I think that for those listening, I think it's important to hear this, you know, enter the space, listen to what's going on, see if it's 
of the right space for you. Make sure it has the right personalities. They're talking about the right topics. Research what they're saying to see if what what they're saying is actually real and if it's uh, accurate. And then from there, you can proceed. Uh, when you started communicating with different people, did they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? How did that go? Oh, yeah, they did not reach out to me. Okay. <laughs> and um, I will admit, you know, and I will also be transparent about this. I was um, definitely in a predominantly white space. And I know this is Black Equity Network. So we're talking about being entrepreneurs and successful as the Black community. So I was in a market in Tennessee that was not diverse whatsoever. So me coming into the space really was just something different. You know, I'm not even talking about my age because most of the people there were, I would say 50 plus, which is, you know, what I'm trying to help change. We don't want to be in our 50s starting to invest. Let's do it now in our 20s. So that was the first thing. And then second, I was a Black person. So being in that space was just different. But I did not enter the space already saying, oh, they're not going to talk to me. But I knew that I, I had to go get the deal or get the lead or get the, you know, whatever services I need instead of sitting back and waiting for people to come to me because that did not happen. So I just stayed consistent. I, I would go to meetings. Um, I would collect business cards. I have business cards. You know, I made business cards for myself. I was like, I don't really have a business, but I'm just going to make a business card of my name and my email and phone number. And if people want to know about me, we have something to exchange. Right. Um, so I made business cards for myself every meeting. I would hand my business card out to people. I would introduce, I say, hey, I'm an up and coming real estate investor. If you're looking for a deal, I will find it for you because I knew I had to hustle. So I really advertised and marketed myself and I would collect business cards and then I would follow up with them. I would send emails. Hey, it was great meeting you at this investor meeting. I would like to learn more. And so I did a lot of the groundwork of reaching out. I would bring deals to people. I would you know, have my paperwork ready, have my business cards to a point where eventually I did see people were referring others to me and that did eventually switch. So in, initially, no one was really reaching out. I had to build the network myself. I had to stay, um, I had to stay diligent and I had to stay disciplined. And then after a while, after remaining consistent and people saw, oh, we know that's the girl that is going to bring you deals or she's going to talk about this, whatever it may have been that I was advertising, I would start getting emails of people who were referred to me to learn more about my personal market. So it took some work in the beginning and it may take some work. And, you know, I, I can't say if that was due to me being young, no experience, being a black woman, it could have been a combination of all those things, but I just didn't let that stop me from building my network myself. And then I started to see the roles reverse. How much, you mentioned earlier about uh, being in the federal uh, consulting space, mm -hmm. how much did that play in seeing success in this world? Are there any parallels between the two worlds, even if it's just the professionalism, being able to communicate with people who are different? What were some of the things that uh, one world allowed you to excel in the other? That's a great question. And, you know, I definitely think my profession has helped me in my real estate business for sure. Before I became a federal consultant, I was working as an engineer in the federal space. So I've always been in a federal space. 
And one thing, if you have worked for the government or in a federal space, you know sometimes the processes are a bit archaic and a bit slow. <laughs> but also know that documentation and paperwork is extremely important. And I think just the habits being in my in the working world of having to follow up with people via email, uh, having to stay on top of schedules, stay on top of communications, making sure that you have everything documented from the beginning to the end, and just being that thorough helps me when it comes to the investing world because I treat my investing business the same way. I try, I try to be extremely thorough. I try to make sure all communications are timely, very clear, and just a certain level of professionalism to market myself so people know that if you are working with me, there's a certain standard or professionalism that you can expect. And I know about when you're talking about selling properties and buying properties and working with people, people work with and sell to people that they like. It's, it's really much so a people thing. And so if you want to progress in the investing world, your network is everything. And if people like to work with you and you're reliable, it definitely takes you far. So I think my consulting background, especially being in the federal space has helped me and helped prepare me um, for how I share, share those same characteristics in my investing business for sure. You mentioned earlier about uh, finding deals or being a deal finder when you yeah. first got into the to the space. Uh, did you see any type of pattern in the different investors who were wanting something specific? And did any type of light bulb go off saying, oh, you know, out of these 20 investors, they all seem to want something similar. Uh, maybe this is where the value is, or maybe this is where the sweet spot is. Did you notice anything like that? I, I did in a way. Um, so I mentioned earlier that I I would travel about an hour plus and I actually would travel to North Carolina because I was on the tennis, I lived in the Tennessee, North Carolina border. So we could go an hour over and be in North Carolina. The trend that I noticed about the real estate market in North Carolina near Asheville where I was is the house, the housing prices were extremely expensive. Um, the the price of housing was so much higher than just 40 minutes over the mountain, as we would say. And I noticed that investors were starting to have difficulties in that North Carolina market because so many people were moving there. Um, the price was going up and it was just hard to enter. And after going to those meetings a few times and just hearing some of the struggles that those investors in North Carolina had, I would drive back home to Tennessee and look around and say, we don't really have any of those problems here. We have a good sturdy market, but our prices are 50 plus percent less and it's just an hour away. So I started to go to North Carolina in the investors meeting and advertise the Tennessee market and say, I recognize that competition is really thick here. The um, housing price is really high, the prices of the housing but have you ever considered this town in Tennessee, which is not far away, you can drive to it, that has a lot of the same feel of this town, but just cheaper. And so I recognized that that was a struggle for a lot of people in that North Carolina market. And so I started to 
find places in Tennessee that had the cash flow that they were looking for or the profits they were looking for and just advertise Tennessee and say, I can find a deal for me for you. I live here. I can be the boots on the ground for you because you can't and you don't have all the connections that I do. But if we partner together, I can find it for you because I recognize a need that you have. You need to enter a market at a lower price. And so that is something that I noticed was a trend between the investors I would work with in North Carolina is that they were looking for a way to enter a market at a lower price. So I would provide them houses much lower and it became really attractive for them. And you know, now that same Tennessee market is not as easy to enter as it was some years ago because I think people are starting to get on. But that was that was really my gig. That's how I would get investors from North Carolina is by seeing that the need that they had. Well, what I like about that is, first of all, you're you're studying markets. Mm-hmm. A lot of investors, people who call themselves investors, <laughs> they don't even they don't understand what a market is or what a market cycle is. And so I like that part is that you're actually looking at the different markets and um, comparing and contrasting and, and providing that uh, to investors. And then what I also like about it is it makes you stand out. If you enter into a room and you're bringing, bringing people uh, what they've already seen, it doesn't bring a lot of value. But if you can pull something from a different market or give a different type of idea, and this is for anything, not just real estate, but if you can walk into that room and, you know, we're, we're Black, you're, like you said earlier, you're a Black woman, you're already different when we walk in. But then on top of that, we bring significant value in whatever the deal is. And, you know, uh, especially if that deal is outside of the scope of what everybody's paying attention to, people will turn their heads and say, wait a second, who are you again? And immediately uh, you become very valuable in that space. Did you notice that value shift when you were creating that value? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's great how you said that you do become valuable. You know, before I was just a person coming and being a sponge, basically. And that was OK, because I was still starting out. So I wanted to learn. It wasn't like I felt like I wasn't appreciated. I was there to just listen. But you're right. When people started to see what I was offering, I mean, it got to a point where I would come with a portfolio of um, deals documented on paper. And I just lay it out on the table and I say, hey, here's some deals that we have in Tennessee right now. And this is the cash flow because I've studied how to analyze and how to calculate cash flow. And so I knew how to speak the language after sitting back and researching. I knew how to speak the language. And so at this point, it was just advertising. So, yes, the value went way up. Um, I would get people who would want to drive out and meet me for lunch and we would go drive around and look at properties. And so that's how I got started. And I became much more valuable and that allowed me to get into the space and build my network even more. For new investors listening to this episode, why is cash flow important and what is cash flow? Right. So um, cash flow basically is talking about the profit that you're making from any real estate deal that you're doing. And I'll start by saying in real estate, you can make money by having actual property or you can make money by not having property. So what I mean by that is if you want to keep the house or the apartment complex, whatever property you're renting, you can keep that and have people pay you money to live there. 
don't want to keep the actual asset, the actual tangible property, you can do something like flipping, which is you temporarily have the home, but then you sell it and you just get cash out of the deal. Or you do what they call wholesaling, which is you're, you're pr pretty much a salesperson. You buy low and you sell for higher and you keep the difference in profit. So there's two different lanes in real estate. You can keep the actual home long-term and make money off of that. And when we talk about cash flow in that regard, we're talking about the profit that you make when one is renting out your space. So profit is just your revenue minus your expenses. So whatever revenue you have coming in, take out the expenses that you pay on a monthly basis. And the difference that profit is what your cash flow is. And so you want to have cash flowing properties or cash assets, as they say, because you want to you want to make a profit, right? You don't want to have a house and someone pays you $500 in rent, but your mortgage is $700 because then you're losing money. So it's not cash flowing, as they say. So cash flow is extremely important to make sure that you're receiving the profit that you're trying to get on your real estate investments. So when, when let's say you built up a portfolio of 10 different uh, properties, 10 different assets, they're all cash flowing. And not to give any type of investment advice, uh, mm -hmm. but what do you do when you have so much cash flow coming through? What does is, what is the cash flow allow you to do? What kind of leverage does that provide for you? Yeah, well, it can be used for several things. So if you have, let's just use some numbers. If you have 10 properties and they are, cash flowing $200, that's $2,000 a month, right? 200 times 10. Mm -hmm. So you have an extra $2,000 every month. You can either take that money and save it, put it in some type of savings account. You can take that and reinvest it and get another property and you go 10 to 11 properties, you know, stack that to $2,000 for a couple months. And then the next thing you know, you have 10, $12,000. And then you reinvest it in another property and build your portfolio. Or you eventually get to a point, which I teach a lot of my students about, it's called financial freedom, which is where you have that cash flow funding your lifestyle. So at this point, you're working a job and, you know, let's say you make $3,000 a month. If you build your portfolio up enough, you can get the cash flow from your real estate investment, investing properties to cover your monthly expenses that your job normally covers. And that's called basically financial freedom. Being able to use your cash flow from your assets, your real estate properties, to completely fund your lifestyle to where you're not reliant on a job to give you that $3,000, you get that $3,000 from your cash flow. So having cash allows you to have a lot of flexibility financially. It can allow you to save for retirement. It can allow you to save for your future children, future family. Um, and when we're talking about building generational wealth, we're things like that. We're talking about getting assets that are giving you money every month so you can use it to fund your lifestyle however you may choose. I love that so much. Whenever we're talking about financial freedom, yeah. Um, funding your lifestyle, you got me. So I appreciate you talking about that. Before we let people... people know uh, 
kind of what the steps are to work with you and, and learning more about your company. You mentioned earlier about your first deal and about the specifics of the first deal. Uh, go ahead and let us know, what was that first deal like and uh, how, how have deals changed since then for you? Yeah, so the very first deal I had, I got in a historic downtown area of the town I was living in. So it was a really desirable neighborhood, but I knew that before I bought. I like to tell people, know exactly where you want to buy all the way down to the streets um, because some towns you can go over to the next street and the market's completely different so know your market well enough where you can specifically know where you want to invest so i knew exactly the neighborhood i wanted to invest in i bought the house for this was in 2018 i bought the house for 109,000, which is in a hundred thousand range is not um, rare in the community I am. So I'm in a lower price. I was in a lower priced market, just so people would know. And so I had bought the house for one hundred nine thousand. We actually negotiated that price down about eighteen thousand dollars. So that was my first taste of what it's like to be a real estate investor in negotiating price. I think a lot of people when they buy their dream home or when they really want, they're typically not as comfortable with price negotiation because they want the seller to take their bid. So you don't want to negotiate too much. Um, you may even offer more to make sure that you have it. Uh, but we negotiated the price down from 127,000 to 109,000. The house was originally a four bedroom, one bath, which I already knew was a not ideal setup because most people if you have four or three people living in a home and don't want to share one bathroom. So I knew that that was going to be my project was to change that. And the house, I would say, was in pretty good condition. You know, we we check the major things. You always want to check what's the roof like? What's the HVAC system like? Things to know how much you'll have to spend on fixing it up if you want to fix it up. So 109. I bought the home using a first-time home buyer loan. And if you have not bought a home yet and you are interested in investing, I suggest take advantage of first-time home buyer programs. So the first-time home buyer program I found actually funded 110% of the deal, meaning they paid 100% of the purchase price and then the extra 10% went towards closing costs. So I actually was just out of pocket $3,000 for my very first property. Wow. I did not spend a lot, of, a lot of money because I didn't have a lot of money. So I said, I've got to find a program that's going to basically fund my house. And I did. The caveat to that is that I had an extremely high interest rate. My interest rate was 6.5%. And if you understand investing interest rates, the average is around three to 3.5%. And I was paying twice that. So I had a high interest rate, but it allowed me to get the property with no money down. And so I made the decision to take on that really high interest rate temporarily so I could get the, pro get the house that I wanted because I knew it was in such a great location. I didn't want to pass it up. So the process and everything for that first property probably just took one month. I had a really great real estate agent who helped me get my paperwork together in advance. I was pre-approved, meaning I was 
approved for the amount of money before I went and put an offer in on the house. I had a pretty well-paying job and good amount of money in reserves through my retirement fund that I have been contributing to. So I was set up to really go through the process of getting approved fairly quickly. And so all the paperwork and everything took about a month before I got the title to the home. After I get the keys, right, that's the exciting moment. After I got the keys, I spent $3,000 out of my pocket. I went through a process of fixing it up and getting contractors to fix it up. And I spent way too much on the renovation. I'll say that because I was caught up in making it look nice versus thinking of it like an investor, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, these light fixtures will look really good versus just getting something that's functional. But, but all that to say, um, the very first property was not too horrible to obtain. I did not spend a lot of money out of pocket, and which is why I preach to people, you don't have to spend a lot of money if you find the right strategy. And I have it now, and there's a mother and daughter who lives in it, and they pay me rent every month. And it was honestly the easiest process to get into getting that that first process that first property as far as my process now I think most of my confidence in knowing what I want to do um, has changed and so I know exactly how to close a house all the paperwork I need the money that I need to have and I have my network prepared to be able to do even quicker so the main thing that's changed is just my confidence and uh, my ability to just you know, obtain properties in a quicker manner. I love that. Uh, so there's going to be some people that are listening to this episode. And they're going to want to figure out, well, how do I work with you? How does this all happen? So what is the process or take me through that process of working with you as a consultant? Yes. Yeah, so Keystone Real Estate Investment, to work with us, we always set up a one-hour consultation. And the reason it is a consultation that's, you know, one hour that long is because I like to have conversations with everybody that I'm working with to understand their specific situation. Everyone's finances are different. Everyone's interest in real estate can change and their motivation. So we'll sit down on Zoom and it's a free one hour consultation. It's just a conversation with me. And I just learn more about your wants and desires for real estate. And so you sign up for the consultation, we have a conversation. And after we talk during the consultation, I go through my courses. So the very first course that I have is called a strategy and goal setting course, where I really talk about the importance of setting goals and having a strategy and your initial strategy. Are you going to be a person that likes to flip houses? Do you want vacation homes? Do you want long-term rentals? what is the area of investing that you want to start out in? And notice I say start out because most of the time as you grow your portfolio, your interests may change. So you don't want to be confined to just one method unless you want to be. But it's good to have one method when you start out so you can just master that area and have a focus. So the very first course is talking about setting your goals and talking about strategy. Then I move over to what I call my 101 courses, where I give you the basics of flipping a house. Every, how do you locate a potential flip to how do you get funding for it and how do you sell it? And I also have what's called a buy and hold 101, which gives you the basics of how do you find tenants? 
How can you locate, you know, where the house could be? Where do you get funding? And I give you the basics, basically to the point where you have all the basics you need to either flip a house or to get a long-term rental. So those courses are optional. I call it like a la carte. So I'll go through all of the courses with you and you pick out the ones that you feel best resonate for what you're trying to do. And then I have a series of quote unquote mini courses, which are more condensed, but I give you some key fundamentals such like such as networking. You know, how do you market yourself like I did? How can you get to a point where you market yourself? How can you learn how to walk through a property without a contractor and have an estimate of how much a rehab would cost? Um, how can you manage a flip like a project manager to make sure you stay on budget and on schedule? So we have a series of base learnings that I have found to be the most helpful to be as skilled of an investor starting out that you can be. And all of that can be obtained just from going on my Instagram or you can visit my website, which has a link to my calendar where you can schedule everything. But it all starts with the consultation. So I always say that's the very first step. Let's have a consultation and then we'll pick the courses after that. I love that. Okay, so after people obtain your courses, is it a situation where they continue working with you or once, the, once they have the courses, they can pretty much go off on their own or what, how does that work out? Once you've gone through the courses and right now I average people taking four. And so I offer a total of seven, but I average people taking about four. And once you've taken those courses, honestly, you're in a position where you can plan out your next steps to get a property. You really know exactly where you're trying to invest, what you're trying to invest in, how to get the money, how to find it. And at that point, it's just taking time to actually find a property. So you're in a position after going through the courses, which mean with if you, if you do courses, that's going to take about two and a half to three months. So it's not an over process meeting every about two to three months, you'll be in a position to, you know, get started to get your first property. However, I recognize something that's really important in real estate investing is to have a mentor or someone that you can consult in long-term. And so that's just an automatic service with working with me is that you still have access to me. You know, I'll answer my phone. You can email me. I can look at a potential deal with you. And that is just because that's the kind of loyalty I want with people who work with me. Um, we can stay in contact, but you technically don't have to be in contact with me. So set up to spread your fly away if you want to. But if you want me to continue to work with you and just provide advice throughout the process, I'm more than happy to do so. So I like to say that we will literally do every step of the way until you get your first property. Because after you get the first property, you typically see that, oh, I can do this again. So you don't have as much um, guidance, but we will continue to stay in contact until you get that first property. I love that. And and now, you know, I want to throw in some, some bonus questions uh, mm -hmm. real yeah. quick. So what I really love about your story is when you wanted to learn something, um, you went out and found the people that were already doing it. And you, you mentioned earlier about building an, a, a network. How does it feel now to be building your own network? It really feels, it feels really great. And a little bit 
I'm still kind of shocked because I feel that I still have so much to learn when it comes to investing. I think as people, we always have things that we can learn, right? Never shut yourself off to knowledge. But for people come to me for guidance is, it was really good because I am a true testament of if you just want it, you know, just do the work and you can have it. Because like I told you, I didn't know anything about real estate investing before I got started about five years ago. And so I know that if someone really wants it, they can achieve it. So it makes me feel really good. And I don't know if you're familiar with the app Clubhouse and many people are. I am. Being in the Clubhouse space has also, you know, really shown how people seek advice because I'll get on a few stages. I'm not on the stage a whole lot, but I'll get in a couple stages and host rooms about real estate and people, you know, ask me about real estate investing and I feel, you know, really honored to just be in a position to speak from experience or to say that I know investors that are investing in homes and apartment buildings. Um, and just to see that just five years ago, I had no idea what all this was, just makes me, you know, feel really encouraged and honored to be able to be building my own network. And I want every, I want to help everybody get started in real estate investing who wants to. So it makes me excited and he's out and wants to learn more. In my head, I have at least two more questions, but who knows what else pops up? Yeah, feel free. I'm loving the conversation. Love it. Okay, so I'm really big on origin stories, mm-hmm. like really understanding someone's origin. When you were coming up as a, a, a young lady, uh, did you, what was your vision back then? Did you envision federal consulting and real estate investing, or did you have a whole different vision uh, back then? Yeah, absolutely not. I had a complete different vision. Um, I will say this, I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. And a lot of that is due to my grandfather who had his own business. He was in the education space and he had his own business and I would work with him um, in high school on the weekend. So my Saturday consisted of me working at my grandfather's business. And I would tutor people on math. So I've always been really keen to helping people and knowing what it takes to provide guidance. And that started with me tutoring. But I didn't know if consulting or I didn't really know at the time of engineering where I was going to be. I just knew that I enjoyed helping people and providing steps for them to be able to solve problems. And that's where the original passion, I guess, came from which got me eventually into consulting because consulting essentially is you're a problem solver for people. Someone comes to you with a problem, a a company or person, and they're looking for you to figure out how they can solve that problem. And I tie a lot of that back to tutoring. You know, I did the same thing. If I would help provide guidance for people with their math. So I didn't know if real estate, consulting, engineering, any of that was gonna be in my future, but I knew I wanted to do something to help people solve problems. I also knew that I did not like to work for somebody. (laughs) And that was the one thing. I enjoyed making my own hours, setting my own hours, working at my own pace on my own schedule. And that really showed when I got my first job out of college, I just did not care for the clock in, clock out type of lifestyle. Even though I knew that it was funding me pretty well, I didn't like being confined in that way. 
So two things I knew, I knew I wanted to help people and I knew I wanted to create my own path as far as working and making it in the way that I wanted to. And so that was my vision. And I guess that is still my vision. It just is a bit more defined. And when you, it's funny, when you think back on your upbringing, you see little elements of you younger that play out into what you're doing now. And so when I think about how I tutored and how I enjoyed having instant money on my own terms, I see me doing similar things like with my real estate investing because I do eventually want to have financial freedom for my investing path. That is my goal um, to get to that point. So I guess my vision has always been the same. Now it just has more detail mm. and now it has a path of how I'm going to achieve that. I love that. So last question, mm -hmm. um, which do you like better, Tennessee or North Carolina? <laughs> I got to know. I know. It's funny. I call North Carolina Tennessee sister because, I mean, we border each other. Right. But I'm still going to stick to the home state. I'm probably going to have to say Tennessee just because it's home. Okay. And what I love about Tennessee is that it's almost three different states in one state. Between West Tennessee, which you, where you have Memphis. Right. Tennessee, where you have Nashville. And East Tennessee, where you have Chattanooga, Knoxville, you would think you're going through three different places because right. the, the demographic, the market, the way of living, everything is, is different. So I love Tennessee for that reason. I can go to Memphis and have one vibe and go all the way to the Smoky Mountains and it's something completely different. Okay, I can, I can accept that. I, I'm, I'm not North Carolina, you know, I'm a, I'm a Duke alum, so Okay. Okay. It's gonna be in my in my history, no matter what. <laughs> I love North Carolina. I'm not originally from here, but I do love North Carolina. All right. Uh, any words of wisdom to any new investors who are coming into the real estate space? Uh, any words of wisdom for them before we head out? I just want to tell you all: if you are interested in real estate investing, one, there's never going to be the perfect time. I have a lot of people who are on the sidelines who are like, I want to jump in, but maybe I should wait till just uh, start researching now. Don't don't wait before you get your education. You, you can never overly educate yourself. I'll say that. Don't be discouraged by the money aspect of it because there's always ways to get in if you have the interest. And I like to share my story as an example of that. And the last thing is real estate investing to get the true financial freedom, the true financial success will be a marathon, not a sprint. It is not an overnight wealthy, get quick rich type of process, but it is an extremely profitable one. Just You just have to stay consistent and you have to stay focused. And as long as you remember that you are running a marathon and you're not doing a sprint, you stay determined, you will see success. Um, absolutely. So just remember those those three things. Thank you so much. Kieran Mason, Keystone Real Estate Investing. Thank you for coming on Black Equity Podcast. The doors are open. If you want to uh, come back in the future or collaborate for strategic partnerships, we would love to speak with you further. Great. And I'd like to share, if I could, my Instagram in case people want to know how to connect. Sure, go ahead. Keystone Real Estate Investment and the Instagram is Keystone REI and you can find us online at www.keystonerealestateinvest.com.
Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you.